Well, good morning. I am super excited about a few things. Um, uh, before I jump into this graphic here, I wanted to make sure that you know that there's a few things that you can participate in uh, just as in the life of the church. Uh, as, a, as an opportunity for us to reach out to our community, we do provide space heaters for those who are in need. So if you do have a space heater that you'd like to donate to the cause, please bring that in and make sure that Tina knows that it's been dropped off. Otherwise, we might just think, who dropped off all this stuff? We don't know what to do with it. Which, by the way, uh, if you ever do donate something to the church, please make sure that we know that you donated it. Otherwise, we're like, who dropped off this box of stuff and what's it for? So please make sure that you do that. The other thing is this. Listen, we're doing a mission uh, trip over to... Uh, Pettis, Texas, to the Stitch Children's Home, and that's an opportunity for us to give uh, children Christmas gifts, to spend time with them, to be an encouragement to the staff that, that care for these kids whose parents are unable to care for them at, the, at that moment. So think about how you can provide either a gift, which you signed up for uh, with the tree that was out in the foyer, or how you can encourage and go along and be part of an encouraging time for, uh, for these kids and for those who are who are serving them at the children's home. And then the last thing that is this, I, I want to make sure that you know that on December 24th, which is Christmas Eve, we're having two candlelight services, one at four and one at six. And just because you came here twice on Christmas Eve, you don't have to come to both. We're going to live stream our our service on the 25th, which means that you don't show up here, you show up to church in your PJs at home, right? Or if your PJs aren't what you want to show up in, that's fine, but you grab a cinnamon roll and a cup of coffee, and you pay attention, and you get to, and you get to be um, encouraged by some music, some wonderful music from our team as they, as they record this for you beforehand, and then you get a short message from me. Can I get an amen for that? That's right. That's good. All right. So listen, uh, the, this question here is, have you been thinking about being baptized? Have you been in a place where uh, you uh, have known Jesus for a while, but you've yet to take that step towards baptism? I want you to know that there is an opportunity for you to do so. Next Sunday, we're going to be celebrating baptism. We have, have some, some folks that are going to be baptized. If you want to join in and be baptized as well, please please talk with me. Uh, you can come up here at the front at the end of the service. You can give us a phone call. You can email us, whatever it is. We'd love to talk with you and understand your faith journey and also celebrate that step of obedience of baptism. Okay. Are we ready? Let's do this. Okay. That card that's on your seat is a reminder. Now, I'm only called Pastor Rodney at home when I do something that's uncharacteristically stupid. which is true. Uh, but I know, right? Uh, but really, that card is to help us to be intentional and is to help us to understand how we can do the simple things. And I watched my family practice that this week as, as we went out in the commu community intentionally engaging people, intentionally, uh, you know, smiling. Remember, we under understood that it takes less muscles to smile than it does to frown. And so if you just in, engage people with smiling and then in, engaging them with a, hi, how are you? Not a, hey, how are you? But a, hi, how are you? Looking them in the eyes, how things change. And here's what happened. 
it brought some joy and more smiles than probably I've seen in the community in a while, not because we were talking to them, but because people felt like someone saw them. How many of you really long just to be seen? And I think that's most of us because we want to be invited. We want people to know that we're here. We want people to engage us in life. And I want to encourage you. That's one way, simple way that you can be intentional just by seeing people and engaging them. Now, if you say you're an extreme introvert, I get it. I absolutely get it. But it's not hard to smile. It may hurt a little bit the first few times you do it, but it's not hard. And it's not hard to say hello. It's not hard to engage with somebody. They're not going to judge you. In fact, they're going to thank you for it. I wanted to talk about this, um, this tradition, this Christmas tradition that pretty much died in my generation. And it was, it was one of these traditions that was time-honored. It was, it was something that everyone looked forward to. And, and it, was, it was that big anticipation. You're waiting and waiting for that day to come, and you, and you just couldn't wait. And, 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 and then finally, finally it came. So what I'm talking about is, is this, the day that the Sears toy catalog came into the house. The day, I, I think we might have an image of that, right? Oh, good, good. It's right there. Yeah, that was absolutely the best day. Now, if you're familiar with this, it means that you're a child of the 80s and 90s, right? Or 70s, I heard. And when that came in, it was a huge day. In fact, if you had siblings, it was a day that their fighting kind of happened, right? Because who got to look at it first? Who got to thumb through all of those things? And so there's a process. So if you're unfamiliar with the process, because all you've known is going to Amazon.com and searching for what you wanted, yeah, here's what you got. You got to sit down with a big bowl of cereal, Sit down and, and open it up. Make sure there's plenty of room that the, the milk doesn't get spilled on the, on the catalog, right? And then you went page by page. Oh, just thinking and, oh, and planning and, and dreaming. And then you got to the most important part of the whole process, the dog ear, right? And you had to, you had to fold the corner down to the right page. And, and if you did it just right, you could actually point to the item that you wanted, <laughs> right? Anyone there? Okay. And that was huge. And it reminds me, there, there's a point in my life when I could tell you in detail the things that I wanted, the things that I desired, I could tell you in detail, all the things that I wanted for Christmas. Unfortunately for my parents, I kind of skipped the small things and I only wanted the big things, right? I had this dream of this giant toy filled room and that brought my mind to think of the, of the movie Big with Tom Hanks and you know, and it's just the whole, the room with every single toy in it. But it, it was really this desire in me to have more. Now, I'm not calling this a godly desire, so don't, don't misunderstand that. It was this quest for more, for better, for bigger things. And just about any kid will be able to tell you the things that they want more of. More games, 
more fun, more technology, more snacks. And in fact, that's, I think that's really the first thing that we taught, um, taught Jackson to say was more, right? Most of us can relate to this idea of more because we want more and we want better. You may not know this, but Jesus, but Jesus wants more and better for us too. In fact, he says in John 10, 10, that I came so that you can have real and eternal life more and better than you have ever dreamed of. So here's where we're going with this understanding today. Jesus intentionally pursued you. So intentionally pursue Jesus. If we don't learn to embrace this, if we don't learn what this means in our own life, in our everyday life, we're going to miss out on the more that Jesus came to give us. And so as a reference today, we're going to look in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And here's what they say. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod heard this, He was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them exactly where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will, be a shepherd, who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and, and ascertained from them what time that star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for this child. And when you found him, bring me word that I too may worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star... They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Have you ever rejoiced uh, rejoiced exceedingly with great joy? That's wonderful. (laughs) And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary and his mother. And they fell down and they worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. They departed And and being warned in a dream not to go to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. It was good that the Magi left and went home another way because Herod, Herod was one of these insecure and self-absorbed and self-serving rulers. 
He was concerned for himself. In fact, when he heard about this, this star and these magi that had come to, to worship the king, he, he began to, to really wonder, okay, what does this mean not for this country, but instead, what does this mean for me? And so he sought to figure this out for himself, not truly seeking to worship the child. And these magi, they came, they came from the east. And do you ever wonder why did they come from the east? Why is it that these magi all of a sudden show up on the scene from the east? And this whole story and how it, how it uh, comes together, it shows us the intentionality of God. The magi were known as kingmakers. They were the, the ones that, that would understand and discern the times. And, and a little background on them and, and why they would come is found in Daniel, the Old Testament book of Daniel, chapter 2. See, Daniel, uh, in this time, had interpreted a dream of Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar had this dream where there's this huge statue that, that was made of all these different things. And it, and it came, and the feet were broken, and it came tumbling down. And Nebuchadnezzar was so upset by this dream, he didn't know what to do with it. And so he asked all the smart people of the land, and they said, well, I don't know. And then finally, Daniel came to the point where he said, I, not I, but God can interpret this dream. For you. So Daniel told the king what this means. It means this is about the rise and the fall of so many kingdoms. It's about the rise and the fall of kingdoms, some that will be lesser than you, some that will be greater, but ultimately it reaches out towards this day, this day where there will be a lasting kingdom, and this lasting kingdom is a promise from God. So Nebuchadnezzar heard this, and he praised Daniel. And he installed Daniel as a ruler and a chief prefect over Babylon. Daniel chapter 2, verses 47 and 48. It's the response of Nebuchadnezzar to Daniel for the interpretation of the dream. The king answered and said to Daniel, Truly your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries. For you have been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon. Big deal, right? And chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. God was intentionally preparing the knowledge in pursuit of the Magi about 600 years before this star would appear. Daniel became the teacher of the wise men of Babylon from the east. Their coming fulfilled prophecy, and it reshaped the world. And Herod was concerned for himself and Jerusalem. You know why Jerusalem was unsettled? Because they had missed this sign. They had missed the sign of the Messiah. And a new perspective came. And it reordered everything about the world. If Jesus is number one, then the order of things must change. The perspective of the religious leaders must change. Ultimately, the entire world, the whole world would be changed by this coming of this king, this Christ that was born in Bethlehem. 
In fact, the calendar was reworked. The marking of eras was restarted. The religious rulers of the day knew where Messiah would be born. But ultimately, they were indifferent. But the magnitude of Christ's birth cannot be overstated. Think about this. Even if you don't believe that what the Bible says is true, the birth of Christ, the account of Christ, what happened with his life, the impact of it cannot be overstated because time was divided. The calendar was restarted. And everything pointed to the importance of what happened from a baby born in Bethlehem. The entire world would be shaped by him. So this brings me to a point, once you figure out what you value, you're going to build your calendar around it. Once you figure out what you value, you're going to build everything else around it. When you want something, you adjust your calendar, right? We do this with a lot of things. If you want to go on a vacation, what do you do? You put it on the calendar, right? You order things around it. You prepare for a vacation. You give other people work while you're gone on vacation, or you prepare for the bunch of work that you have to do when you get back. You put family events on the calendar because being with family is important. It's very important for us to, to block off those times. We put hunting season on the calendar. We put sports championships on the calendar. We put concerts on the calendar. And we may not realize it at the time, but what we want, we plan for. What we want gets a place on our calendars. What we want gets time in planning. It gets resources, it gets our, our stuff, it gets our money. What we want gets attention put on it. It gets talked about. It, it not only gets talked about with our friends, the things that we want get talked about with our family, with strangers. We talk about those things that are important. And if you want it, nothing will stop you. But if you don't, any excuse will do. And I mean any excuse will do. Think about this. Remember that invitation that you got to that thing that you didn't want to go to? Right? Is that a little close? If they're sitting on the same row with you, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I got a bad paper cut and I just, I, I just can't make it today. <laughs> I have a hangnail and it's really painful. I'm going to have to pay attention, go get a manicure. Listen, my cat sneezed, and I'm afraid it's going to be coming down with something, right? And we come up with some of these crazy excuses for not doing the things that we aren't committed to, these things that we don't want to do, because to be honest, if we, if we really don't want it, it doesn't matter what the excuse is, we'll make it. We may dream and we may be, give these big dreams and these big thoughts as to what maybe could be one day. 
but when we lack in follow-through in the things that we say are important, we find out that we truly don't want the things that we say that we want. The bigger problem is that we have these uphill dreams, these things that you have to push for, these things that you have to make move up the hill, but we have downhill habits. Anything will happen. You know, just kind of let it go and see what happens. You have this uphill dream of having a very good, solid career. When we have this uphill dream that, that maybe one day we're going to make it big, we're going to be famous, we're going to maybe be the, the best in our field, in our arena, and so we work towards it and we do all manner of things. But some of us, we have these big ideas that one day I'm going to strike it rich, one day I'm going to be famous, but one day maybe I'll make that idea that I had come to light. So we have these uphill dreams that require work and downhill habits like doing the absolute minimum at the job that we're in. We want this great marriage. We want to have a marriage that lasts for the ages. We want to look back over life in our rocking chairs, just holding hands and, and thinking on how much we've loved one another through the ups and the downs. And we have this uphill dream because let me tell you, a great marriage is an uphill battle, right? Men, you can say amen. It's okay. Okay. It is an uphill battle, right? Because we spend more time looking at our downhill habits, the things that we want. That's what makes our marriages not work is when we're focusing on the things that we want. We make excuses. We make excuses about why we're not intentional in our relationship. Listen, we want responsible kids. We want, we want kids that when they grow up, that maybe they'll be able to take care of us when we're older, right? So that's an uphill dream of growing this child that's going to be responsible and do all the things that need to be done. But we have downhill habits where we do hard things for them. We remove obstacles that are in front of them. And we try to remove the consequences of their poor choices. We have an uphill dream of having a growing relationship with God. We want to this time next year be able to finally say, after X number of years, after 10 years of, of being a Christian, I finally have, have read the New Testament in full. I finally understand the relationship between who I am before Christ and who I am in Christ. We have this dream that maybe we're going to grow in that relationship, become someone that is solid in their faith. But we have downhill habits of not putting time with God on our calendar, of not practicing generosity, of not investing time in community with others. In other words, we have a downhill habit of not being intentional in our pursuit because deeper relationship requires deeper investment. It requires that we reshape our calendars, that we become intentional with action because intentions, they don't change things. Only what you take action on does. So the question you might have at this moment is, how do I intentionally pursue 
the most important things. I gave you five, step, five things last week. I'm going to give you four things this week. It's a total of nine. I don't know. We're running out, so maybe next week we'll just do one thing. That way it can be one for each finger. Oh, we got toes. Yes. We're coming barefoot to church just so we can count this out. All right. I'm going to give you four steps on being intentional in our pursuit of the important. Number one, write down your values. Now, you're going to have to define your values. You're going to have to define what it is that you value the most. And if your highest value in your life is you, be honest. If the greatest value you have is a relationship with God, then intentionally pursue him. But number one, write down your values. Then number two, create a calendar around your values. You already create a calendar around things. That's 100% certain. Is your calendar created around your job? Is your calendar created around your hobbies? Is your calendar created around spending time with your friends? Is your calendar created around your family? Whatever you calendar around is something that you value. So create a calendar around your values. That means that you fill your calendar with your priority first. Now, I'm not 100% really great at this because I tend to be a little bit of a workaholic. I tend to work long weeks and do lots of things. I'm not saying, I mean, this is my job and here I am. Yeah, I work really hard. It's not what I'm doing here. I'm just saying I have a tendency to work a lot. And it's something that has caused issues in my relationship with my beautiful family. Where's dad? Oh, he's at church. Why can't dad come? Well, he's at church. So you know what I did that I've been promising that I'll do for the past long time? I don't need your help. (laughs) All right, fine. I need lots of help. It is okay. It's okay. Hi, I'm Rodney, and I need a lot of help. So here's the deal. You place your priorities first. Here's what I did. I took my calendar, and I said, here's 2023, and I sat down with Melanie, and I said, you tell me what days you want. So after we, you know, marked out 364 days, (laughs) that's not true. I said, I have this much vacation. How much do you want? Where do you want it? And we had that conversation that I had been intending to have It's got to be at least five to ten years that I've been intending to do this. And we did that. And I marked out all of these places where we intentionally said, this is important. Now, not all of it's just uh, Melanie and I being together. Some of it's going and doing things with family or, or just some other stuff like that. But it was being intentional and calendaring around the things that we value. Because you can be sure the times that I'm not on vacation, you know where I'm going to be? I'm going to be here. So for some of us, though, we have to calendar out, okay, I'm going to intentionally be at church two weeks out of every month. Because for some of us, 
coming once every three months is kind of like a, a huge deal, right? For some of us, we're going to say, you know what, two weeks is not enough. I'm going to be here for three. But we intentionally calendar those things. And here's the, th- here's the problem, though. Here's probably one of the good things and the bad things is that technology makes calendaring really easy. You carry your calendar around with your phone, right? If you're, if you're really just old school, just grab that calendar off the wall, right? Use paper. But just be intentional. Create a calendar around your values. Number three, daily basics. Do them. That means the things that you need to do, do them. The things that make you that type of person that you desire to be, do those things. Because most of what needs to be won today had to be done yesterday. Most of what we need to be successful in this day should have been done yesterday. It's, it's that, that intentionality in our days, that, that lasting and growing and meaningful relationships. You know what? They're not built on a few times a year. Those lasting and growing and meaningful relationships, they're built on being intentional and doing the work daily that brings them to fruition. So number four, make room for people. In all of our ideas, in all of these things that we do, and in this quest for being intentional, if you make it on a calendar and you do all the things and you check off the list and you do all of that stuff, but you don't make room for people, you've kind of missed the point. Jesus made room for people. Our kindness matters. Now, interruptions, they happen. And sometimes the interruptions that we engage in are the ones that God has ordained for us. So make room for people. Be intentional this Christmas. Not only this Christmas, but be intentional every season. Be intentional every day because this, this list that's on your seats, it's not just about the Christmas time. It's about the everyday. It's about building a character that is built on intentional engagement with the people who have Jesus needs, right? So Jesus intentionally pursued you. So intentionally pursued Jesus. We found out that the pursuit that brought the Magi into the moment of Jesus' birth was intentional 600 years before it happened. We serve a God of order and a God who is intentional with what he does. So if you've ever questioned, why am I here today? And why am I at whatever place I'm going to be at tomorrow? It's because we serve a God that's intentional. But your job, is to intentionally pursue him. So a few questions as we wrap up. If you're going to change, what needs to be reshaped? If you're going to change, then then what are those areas that you know need a little bit of attention that you've been kind of putting off and you're saying, oh, I'll do that with my New Year's resolution? Fun fact, New Year's resolutions, most of them don't last more than 14 days. So if you're going to change, what needs to be reshaped? 
Next question. Do you need to finally, fully say yes to Jesus? Not this, I go to church, I've been coming to church since I was this tall. This finally, fully say, I have given my life to Christ. I believe fully that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, and I could not make amends. I could not make that right. I could not become righteous before God on my own. It's only through the sacrifice of Jesus that I'm made right with God. And that sacrifice is a once-for-all sacrifice, and that sacrifice makes me righteous before God. And all I have to do is believe that. That's the first entry point. That's the starting point of faith. And every day after that is a walk in obedience of learning to love Jesus because Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. He says that in John chapter 14. If you love me, you will obey my commands. So do you need to finally fully say yes to Jesus by doing what he says? By walking a step in obedience, which brings me to the next question. Do you need to follow Jesus in believer's baptism? Do you need to follow after Jesus in that understanding that my faith, while it is deeply personal, it is not private? It's for other people to see, to encourage, and to help spur me along. As we participate in baptism, it's about identifying with Jesus in his death and the resurrection. It's showing what's going on inside to a world, to a people, to a church that will encourage you. Next, do you need to reshape your calendar? Do you need to open it up and scratch off a few things and add some other things? Do you need to reshape your time? Do you need to reshape your relationships? What is it that you need to change? And I'll ask you, you may intend to do these things. It may sound good for this moment, but intentions are made good when you do them. Would you pray with me?